0: A podcast? Did your radio show get canceled?
1: Fire! 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 Low down and filthy, but the discipline is on point. School myself, made my own dojo. A cold flow with the whole dose of soul. Maintain composure even in fury. and anomaly.
2: Properties. This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your financial questions. Why? Well, I don't know anything about home and gardening. This week on the show, uh, we've got three distinct questions. Of course, the biggest waste of money of the week. Two, our first question is more of a investment question from a lady named Marilyn. She left her phone number. Marilyn, I'm married. <laughs> uh, oh, hi, Nicole. Oh, hi, Pete. How are you? I'm
0: doing well. How are you?
2: I just noticed the laughter. Your mic is on.
0: A little giggle. Thanks.
2: Speaking of, since this is an investment question, can you call our good friend lead concierge at your money line, Damien Dunn, to help me answer this question? Because I just don't feel like I have the courage to answer it myself.
0: Yeah, give me one second. All right,
2: you find him and I'll set this up. This, this uh, by the way, if you ever want to email us, do so. Ask Pete, all one word, pete the ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. Ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. Uh, Marilyn emailed me an investment question. Nicole, by any chance, do you have Damien on?
0: I do. I got him here hey, for buddy. you. Hey, buddy.
2: Hey Pete, how are you? I'm excellent. The uh, Damien Dunn, of course, is a CFP, the lead concierge at your money line. Uh, hello, uh, Damien. Here's the question for you. Help me out. Uh, this is from Maryland. Uh, my financial planner has my portfolio invested the following way cash and cash investments, 4.3%, fixed income, 14.2%, equities, 81%, other assets, 0.5%. I am 80 years old and afraid of an adjustment like 2008. How should my portfolio be divided for my age? Value is a little under $1 million. Thanks for any help. Marilyn, Damien, initial thoughts.
3: Uh, for your typical 80 year old, that seems like a pretty aggressive portfolio.
2: Right? Right? Yeah. Is, okay, so now there, uh, rules of thumb are, can be messy. As you and I know in the investment world and any other world for that matter. What was the old one? You take your age, you subtract it from 100, and then the remainder is how much you should have in bonds. Have you ever heard that one? Uh, you know, I don't know if I'm familiar with that. Well, one. no, it's not how much. It's how much you should. Wait. It's how much you should have in equity. It's how much you should have in equity. So 100 minus 80, which is her age, would mean that she could have, should have 20% in equity and 80% in bond and cash instruments.
3: Yeah. Right. Yeah, that one, that one seemed like it could be appropriate for a lot of people. Um, in this case, if she's afraid of the adjustment, 80% uh, equity, she's kind of poised to participate in that adjustment if it happens.
2: It really is a glass half empty, glass half full discussion, though, isn't it, dude? Where it's like she can either say, well, I can't afford to take the risk because I'm 80 and I have a million dollars, or can she say, I'm 80 I got a million bucks. I can afford to take the risk. Can't you look at it both ways? And if you can, why don't more people look at it that second way? Because it always feels like it's the half empty. I can't afford to take risk.
3: Sure. And I mean, that's one thing that I want to make sure we're not throwing this advisor under the bus either. Right. You could certainly argue that if she's not comfortable with this sort of risk uh, being uh, assumed on her behalf, then it's the wrong portfolio, but we don't know what the rest of her holdings or assets look like. Maybe she's got all the money she needs in the world to live off of on a monthly basis, and uh, this money has been tabbed for another um, goal, some long-term goal. Maybe she's gonna leave it to somebody, and they're trying to maximize this as much as they can in the near future.
2: Yeah, I always feel like when we have the... Oh, sorry about that, I cut you off but I'll continue. I, I always feel like when we have to evaluate another advisor's work, there's always a pretty big chance they'll get thrown under the bus accidentally.
3: Yeah, it, it's super easy to do. It's play armchair advisor. Right. Uh, and, and it just sets everybody up for uh, maybe some some really bad direction on, on your assumptions.
2: Okay, so uh, here's the only way we can evaluate this is with the information we have. And and so whatever judgment you and I are about to make, whatever opinion we're about to, to give going forward, it has nothing to do with information we don't have that the advisor may be privy to. Is that fair? fair enough. Yeah, okay. absolutely. All right, if I were still an advisor, if I were still licensed, and an 80-year-old came to me with a million dollars and said, do you think I should be in 81% equities, and that's all the information I, I had, I would say, Absolutely not. What would you say?
3: I'd wanna make sure we have a really good conversation before I say, yeah, this is an appropriate portfolio allocation for you. But uh, out of hand, no, I'd say 81% is is way high.
2: Because if, okay, so you know, classic investment management, financial planning stuff, when, when you always ask a client, what's your investment objective? You know, the classics, capital appreciation, uh, you know, growth in income, uh, tax advantage, liquidity, all, all these sorts of things. She says, I'm afraid of an, another, uh, of an adjustment like we had in 2008. Damien, when you hear that, what do you view her objective to be? Capital preservation?
3: Yeah, I would have to think that it would be primarily concerned about capital preservation. I, I would guess that she's taking some income off of this for, for living expenses, but... Um, When somebody says they're uh, afraid of an adjustment, um,
2: they're protecting what they got. You know, what are the chances here, pal? that she's in 81% equities and 14% fixed income, but the 81% equities are, and I would guess they are, all high dividend paying stocks, therefore her income is actually being generated from this. There's another way to generate income from a portfolio and not expose it to the economic downside. Sure. I,
3: you could uh, set up a, a bond ladder or uh, maybe put a, a fixed bucket up front where you've got everything that you're going to need for the next couple of years uh, set aside so it's not participating in the market and the, the ups and the downs. Uh, there's a few different ways an advisor could structure this to make sure that uh, even if the portfolio uh, gets a little bit of volatility, that it's not going to affect the day to day life for a couple of years.
2: All right, let's do this. We got two and a half minutes left. Damien. mean, let's tell Marilyn, and Marilyn, by the way, uh, you may be listening on the radio or uh, watching at TV or you may have received a reply to your email, the audio file, so you can actually listen to it. Uh, Damien, let's do this. Let's tell Marilyn what she needs to say to her financial advisor. Let's translate what we're saying so it can uh, be appropriately received by an advisor who we can only assume has her best interest in mind that just he just wants to do right by her or she might wants to do right by her. Uh, So what should Marilyn say to her financial advisor upon listening to our answer here?
3: Uh, I'd uh, schedule an appointment with him and do this face-to-face if possible rather than over the phone and make sure that the advisor understands that Marilyn is uh, uncomfortable with the amount of risk that she's taking in the portfolio. That is something that any advisor would be able to understand that she she wants to make sure she's set up uh, and protected in case the market pulls back.
2: Yeah, that's how I feel. I feel like she needs to say to him, uh, I'm worried about another crash, and here's the answer she doesn't wanna hear, Damien. Oh, don't worry about that. Yeah, That's the worst possible thing she could hear, not because the advisor isn't right, I mean, that's not the advisor's job. They're
3: not listening at that point. At that point, her next question is, do you know what an ACAT
2: is? <laughs> I like that. That's a little financial humor. Uh, it's a transfer form to get her assets out. Uh, yeah, because then at that point in time, he, we're assuming he's a he, well, who cares? He is asking her to assimilate to his risk tolerance, and that is awful.
3: Yeah, that's the funny thing about risk tolerance is it's a very personal thing, and the minute you start assuming somebody else's risk risk tolerance, more th- things go bad more often than than good.
2: I think back to my days and as an advisor, we would always had to fill out a tremendous number of pa- paperwork, and uh, part of that was um, the suitability analysis. We'd have to take the trade to our compliance officer and say, uh, we believe this is suitable for this client because of these facts. I- I don't think I could get an 81% equity portfolio for an 80-year-old by my compliance department back in the mid-2000s.
3: Yeah, I, I don't. That would have been a really tough, uh, tough sell to your uh, uh, compliance officer in your, in your uh, office.
2: All right, Damien, we always lean on you for, well, frankly, everything that we do <laughs> on a daily basis, including today's radio show. Thank you, my friend. Have a good weekend yourself. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Pete. Coming up after the break, I like this phone a friend. I have a student loan question. Maybe we call Phil Schumann from IU. We'll do that next. I'm Pete the Planner.
1: Uh. Primo B, man. Yeah. Sound good to me. Um uh. uh. I never questioned the right man to voice his opinion is strong against any can. But then again, many men are citizens of their own little world, so they ain't really fitting in. I'm in the background blending in. Camouflage by the scenery, but I'm a champion. Revamp the camp again.
2: We're back on the Pete the Planner show. For some reason today, I've decided to just uh get the experts on the phone. Not that I'm not an expert, I know a thing or two. But why not have the best possible answer? Not just a really good answer, but the best possible answer. I had a student loan question, and I'd been texting with my friend uh, Phil Schumann, who's the director of financial literacy at Indiana University earlier in the day. And I was like, hey, bruh, you want to be on the show? And he's like, sure. And I was like, "Okay, let's see if we can make it happen. He joins me now. Phil, um, welcome back to the show.
4: Hey there. Always, uh, Always a pleasure to be on.
2: That didn't seem sincere. All right, Phil. (laughs) Um, I love this question. I sent it to you because I wanted you to be able to see it. Um, I'm going to read it to you now. And it says, good afternoon, Pete, but I'm going to put and Phil. Are you comfortable with that? That's totally fine. Good afternoon, Pete and Phil. My grandma has encouraged me to write you an email to maybe help out on a financial situation. First of all, I would just like to point out, Phil, that I'm really big with grandmas.
4: Like, you personally are good with grandmas because so am I. For some reason, they're just... They love me
2: i feel like grandmas love us they don't find us to be like predatory in nature or weird maybe maybe they like weird i don't know
4: i don't, I don't know if they like weird or not what i know is that growing up my grandma always made me feel like superman yeah because anytime oh. i would lift up a recycling bin full of aluminum cans she'd be so impressed
2: you know first of all that is a very sweet story that i actually i almost teared up because i like thinking of, of grandma's but it also shows how young you are because you had a recycling uh, bin with your grandma when you were a kid. So you just dated I'm not, yourself. I'm
4: not, that, I'm not that much younger than you.
2: I currently am making monthly payments to Navient <laughs> for my school loans. The uh, That monthly payment is based off my income each year. What do we call that, Phil? IBR. Your income? Yeah, well, income-based repayments, IBR. Uh, With that being said, the monthly payment is not covering the interest, so I've been making payments for a few years, yet my student loan amount keeps increasing as there isn't enough money being applied to the interest, uh, yet it's the most amount she can afford to pay with her other living expenses. When she talks to her representative at Navient, which you cannot spell Navient without the word what, Phil? naive. That's right. No, it's naive. Uh, They pretty much tell me only option is to put them into forbearance, but I don't want to do that. What I don't understand is uh, I'm a a hard-working class woman that wants to pay back the money I borrowed for my education, but it seems like they're making it impossible. She wants to know what her options are and how to make this better. Appreciate any advice you can provide, and thank you for your time. Phil, let's first start by defining forbearance. If they said, well, your option, if you don't feel like you can Make payments is to go into forbearance. Why is that weird advice? Because that's weird advice.
4: Yeah, I mean, if you are putting something into forbearance, basically you're just not—you're not making a payment on the loan. The student loan company knows this, but that doesn't mean the loan doesn't stop accumulating interest. So really, all it's doing is—it's is just taking your financial hole and just digging it deeper for you while you're not responsible for anything at that time. But. At some point, you're going to have to get out of it, and in order to do it, you're going to have to pay back on the loans, which at that point, it's going to be worth a heck of a lot more.
2: We should we need to make a couple generalizations, or, or I guess declarations of generalizations and disclaimers. First of all, Naviant is a private loan servicer, correct? Yes. And number two, we don't know that they told her this, other than that this is what she told us that they told her.
4: Yes. I mean, and, and this is a situation that's not... Uncommon. Okay. Right. So let's not let's not let's not just say that this is you know Navient like this is not just them doing something. This is uh, this happens to a lot of people across the board.
2: So the unfortunate nature of making income-based repayment, which in the last several years, anecdotally, Phil, I would say, has become some sort of uh, savior for people with student loans, or what seems like a savior for student loans, because they allow people to stay current. Despite the fact that financially they're not finding themselves in a better place.
4: Right. And and really income based repayment for me makes a lot of sense, especially for those that are gonna go into public service jobs, the nonprofit jobs, those types of things, because it can be tethered to public service loan forgiveness. And so those people that are making those income based repayments will have the opportunity to to have their loans forgiven after ten years, assuming they're on that public service loan forgiveness. But the issue here is that this person's dealing with a private loan, or we assume a private loan, mm-hmm. and so therefore they wouldn't be eligible for this.
2: You know, the public service student loan forgiveness thing is kind of a cool thing, but frankly, if my kid were dealing with that right now, I wouldn't put him in that direction, because it just feels like that program has a, a chance of going away. It's-
4: it's definitely a risky proposition. The hope is that even if it did go, if it were to go away, that they, people would still be grandfathered into it or grandmothered in. No. As we kind of just, clever. you know, I'm bringing it back, I'm bringing it back. Look
2: so, at that. so the the question was, what advice do we have for, and, and, and you and I discussed this uh, earlier. I feel like, and this sounds like obvious advice and it, she's, not, I mean, and, and Megan, uh, thank you for emailing, by the way, you're not going to like this advice, but at least we know this. I think the only conceivable thing she can do, Phil, is to increase her income and pay more. And by increase her income, we, we mean what you and I say a lot.
4: The, the old side hustle?
2: Yeah, we need her to get a second job, which is... Macon, I know you're listening to this right now because we're sending you the audio, but I know you're listening to this and you're thinking, boy, thanks, glad, glad, glad I emailed you. And, and we're saying it in a realistic sense that, that is this... I don't. She didn't say what the amount of student loans she has. I mean, maybe she's went from four thousand dollars in student loans to seven thousand. Is that Bernie?
4: Dog, that was that was Bernie. That's uh that's him letting me know that people are inside my office.
2: Oh my gosh, guard dog. Uh, Um, so I I would say this, Phil. That I mean, maybe she went from seventy thousand dollars in loans to ninety thousand dollars in loans. So us saying you get a second job so you can make the right payment on your student loans, if it's those high amounts in the tens of thousands. It seems like really bad advice
4: yeah I mean this, this is a tough situation. Um, I, I think that's what it boils down to, and yeah, I don't think Megan's necessarily going to like this advice uh, because she probably knows the answer to this and she wants to see if there's another way to do it. The only thing I can see you know unless there's some information we're missing here, unless somehow she has a public loan uh, that's allowed her to get into the situation, uh, you know she's pretty much. She's pretty much exhausted all the options she can It's just increase income
2: I mean, could she do some consolidation But I mean that's going to help with the interest rate But to, based on the fact that she's doing income based repayment her payment would go up significantly And that's a payment that we don't believe she can afford
4: Yeah, and I mean even if she goes even if she potentially puts it in consolidation a, she would have to have more than one loan the to, to amount of true. This. But we don't know whether or not if she consolidated, if she would be eligible for an income-based repayment. Like, we don't even know if the payment would be in her budget at that point. Um, so it's a really, really tough thing to, to be able to do that. Like There are so many circumstances that would have to play play out right for her to get her to a point where the amount of payment that she would make would actually decrease her premium. Um, it, it's just... It, yeah, it's, it's a tough situation.
2: And, and for the last minute of the segment, I, I'm going to talk past Megan and to the people that are not Megan listening to this. That um, Phil, this is why every single day you, you and, and, and the people you work with and when we work together, we try to make sure students, when they borrow, they borrow with a plan to pay back. It's because that assumption that you'll figure it out is what can get you in this horrible jam that Megan happens to be in
4: yeah yeah I mean this is the reason I mean this is the reason why my office other offices around the country higher ed institutions exist is because there's just a lot of information here that nobody was ever taught and i I, I assume that everything that Megan is doing here is based on you know what she thought was the best move for her, and that's not like You know, I think a lot of people, when they see people make poor financial decisions, they just assume that they're, you know, that they're not smart about these things, uh, that they're not making the best choices out of just, for some reason, this person decided this is what was best for them. In a lot of times, it's just done out of ignorance. It's done out of, you know, recommendations from family and and all of that. So we try and put the knowledge in students' heads to prevent this kind of situation from happening in the future. And unfortunately, we didn't exist uh, before then to help people
2: out like Megan. Well, Phil, I'm out of time. I mismanaged my time. Uh, so thank you for your time. Phil Schumann, director of financial literacy, Indiana university, buddy. We'll talk to you again. I'm heading to the break coming up after the break, more of the Pete, the planner show here on the Pete, the planner radio network. Hi, I'm internet podcaster, Peter Dunn. You may know me as Pete, the planner. You hear me on the radio, and on your podcasting device. But did you know you can also see me on YouTube? That's right, we have a YouTube channel and we call it PeteThePlanner.tv. We ask you to subscribe so you can catch great shows like Pete's Eats and this here podcast with drawings. But the drawings are made with a video camera. Subscribe today.
1: Asking in like the end of the game at the casino I lean so the glare of the rear view don't hit me Swiftly through the avenues and boulevards Old soul, playing on my speakers Old soul, but young and age, a boss player Not
2: from the Back on the Pete the Planner show Nicole, I almost forgot the name of the show that's, Like, that's right the there That's week that it's been, right? <laughs> Feels like it uh You can always email me, Nicole, anytime you want To my my other email address But to everyone else, ask askpete at PeteThePlanner.com, we'll answer your financial questions. Maybe we'll bring on an expert like Damian Dunn, or uh, no relation, or Phil Schumann, <laughs> Director of Financial Literacy at IU. Uh, who knows? This one, I'm going to I'm gonna go solo, but I may have to ask Nicole for her assistance, too. This one's from Helen. Nicole, this is sort of a... I don't know. Let's just, I'll just put it out there, and then we'll get at it, okay? Uh, yeah. I don't,
0: wow. There we go. Okay.
2: My heart breaks for people who had no one suggest to them that trying to live on social security benefits after 65 is not is just isn't possible then my heart breaks even more when i see our government rush in and throw money at anyone who is smart enough to be able to milk the system i have a rental i cannot tell you how many people volunteer that they are living on their social security benefits i hesitate to suggest that they saved as little as $10 a week from the time they went to work until they retired, that they would, would have been surprised how much easier life could be. Recently, this very topic came up uh, and someone suggested that not everyone can do that. I like my inflection there. Yes. When I asked her to continue with her statement, how did how do you do that by the way? Like Right. Uh, you know what? Actually, uh, Nicole here's where we're going to do the role play. Okay. I want you to say not everyone can not say not everyone can do that.
0: Not everyone can do that.
2: Continue with your statement. Me? Well, oh. that's that's how it played out, right? Oh, yeah, right. Anyway, she suggested that trying to live on low wages <laughs> was hard. I suggested that nearly anyone can learn a skill that pays more than staying at Wendy's for years without moving up or on, my church has a food pantry. I dare say that some of the people stand outside the church and smoke while waiting for their free food. I think I see red, bet ya. Come up, keep up your good works. Helen.
0: Seems like Helen's got a little bit of pent up anger.
2: Yeah, you know, look, I don't know Helen, but I've met a lot of people like Helen.
0: Yes. I'll start. Okay.
2: Ugh, since my name's <laughs> on the show. All right.
0: But she almost forgot it. But
2: I almost forgot the name of the show and my name, apparently.
0: What a plot twist.
2: Okay. <laughs> Man, this is tough, right? Because this just feels like a political conversation. And you know how what we say about this show. We don't talk politics until we end up talking politics. Until
0: we end up talking politics, right.
2: i I'd, I feel like, actually, my perspective on what she said has evolved over the years. Yeah. I would say as a younger man in my 20s, I, I would have agreed with her more than I agree with her now. Here's what I've learned. Um, whatever experiences Helen has had, right, even if she has pulled herself up from the bootstraps uh, on her own, whether she grew up poor or grew up wealthy, no, no matter what experience she had, I think we still don't understand the other experiences that other people have in their upbringing and their realities. Yes. And, and I think that's where the generalization of someone who's standing in the line smoking at a food pantry, that makes someone angry. Now, Helen, I'm not being intolerant of your view. In fact, I'm, I I appreciate your view. I, I I disagree with it. That doesn't mean I dislike you, right? Like, <laughs> I, I just disagree. Right. Here's why I disagree. Uh, so we study uh, people's financial habits, and we know when someone makes below living wage, and for the point of a definition, let's go to a living wage calculator. In Marion County, Indiana, which for most people would uh, know it as Indianapolis, Indiana, the average adult in order to make living wage, let's see, if they're just a a single adult living by themselves, they would need to make $11 an hour. If they make below $11 an hour, they really can't make financial progress. They can merely maintain their lifestyle, okay? Yes. Uh, If they have one child in the household, that goes immediately to $22.85 an hour. If it goes to two children, it's $27.08 an hour. Uh, So so needless to say, when there's other people involved, it it gets really expensive. So there's a couple points that need to be made, and here's why I bring it up. Number one, if you are just working at Wendy's, which have delicious JBCs, junior bacon cheeseburger. Oh. um, Maybe you never get the opportunity or you never see it within yourself. You've never had someone believe in you to the point where you, you even think it's possible that you can do something other than work at Wendy's. And I don't say that as a person that says there's anything wrong with working at Wendy's. I, I'm just saying sometimes if no one ever believes in you or paints a picture of a different life and you've never seen anything better than maybe what is a positive reality of working at Wendy's, because who knows what you're, where you came from, I think it's just tough to say, well, get a better job.
0: Right. I'm so glad you took it here because this was exactly the first thing that came to my mind as you were finishing this up.
2: Yeah, and, and, and look, Helen is absolutely right, though. I mean, that's where this is tough, right? Helen right. is right. The, person, the way the person changes their reality and doesn't just depend on Social Security is to make more income, to get a better job. But it's just not as easy as saying get a better job. And here's the, here's the silly, wicked reality of this. At $11 an hour, you would have to spend half of that one hour's work to purchase a pack of cigarettes. Right, and if you smoke a pack a day, you're taking a half of hour of your uh, eight hours maybe you work a day, and you're blowing it on something as seemingly, uh, seemingly I can't, seeming, seemingly, like what? frivolous, yes, like cigarettes. But Nicole, what we've learned, actually, our friend Damien Dunn uh, went through a lot of training when it deals with people making living wage or below, who was just on earlier in the show, and we know that. Um, Sometimes expenditures are made, um, smoking, eating, dining out, entertainment expenses, because it's the only point of stress relief that prevents that party or that entity from completely losing it
0: right it's their little form of distraction that just lets them take a step back from everything that's going on around them
2: that that is the word actually that i was searching for distraction distraction in, in, in a positive sense it's like i need right. to escape my reality i'm doing it with this with this cigarette which will give me cancer oddly enough I, i'm smoking and that's my distraction so um helen is right the person, people will be better off if they just save money and they won't have to depend on Social Security. Uh, Helen is right that if a person is at Wendy's, this is being the placeholder of a low-paying job, sorry, Wendy's, that all you have to do is get a better job. She's right that that's true, but in the execution of the strategy, it just isn't that easy. Mm -mm. And I believe this is where a lot of the economic anxiety and um, economic judgment in our society stems from one group of people saying it's not as easy as you're making it, and the other group saying it absolutely is.
0: People wanna make it so black and white really quickly, but it's not, right? There's so, you can't just cut and dry like that.
2: This is, I'm about to turn this about me and I'm sorry, but but eh. I, I want people to understand that I understand this stuff. Yeah. It, it, this is why I have a scholarship at the high school I graduated from that I fund for first-generation college students. Because I know if we can, if we can turn the tide of um, a, a family by sending a student to college, then it can change the generations after that. If all you've ever seen is your education ends at high school or all you've ever seen is the poverty line or living wage, it is really hard to change that. Nicole, that is also why uh, movies and media and entertainment where people of different backgrounds are highlighted are so important because then someone who identifies with those people can see that it's possible. There's a new movie out, I'm gonna, I think it's called like Crazy Rich Asians or something like that. That is like one of the first Hollywood movies featuring two Asian leads. Right. This movie is just out right now. It looks really funny, but I think the important element of that is You just don't see a lot of that. But now some kid is going to see it and say, you know what? I want to be a leading man in a Hollywood film. Then some kid that never saw an Asian actor do that.
0: Right. It's that whole, just that one vision of it's possible.
2: So if this makes me politically identify with one group or not, I don't know. And I frankly don't care. But Helen asked me the question, Helen, I appreciate your view. I disagree with it, but I would still give you a hug because that's how I roll. So coming up after the break, uh, biggest waste of money of the week. That's all next on the Pete the Planner Show.
1: Stay true to my enemy and water the trees that I sing from. And look out for the lumberjacks running with the gale force wind at my back. Swift and enduring, I remain calm. Swift and enduring, I remain calm. Swift and enduring, I remain
2: calm. This lays great errors to rest. Back on the Pete the Planner show, I am the aforementioned Pete the Planner. It's uh, elbow wound week here at the Pete the Planner headquarters. Randomly throughout the week, I look down on Monday, my I have a wound on my elbow. I was like, I don't know how I got there. (laughs) Look down Tuesday. Later in the day, the other elbow now has a wound.
0: What? Do you have like...
2: I have no idea. I think I have tigers in my sleeve. I
0: was going to say, or I was going to go with little elves that were chewing on your elbows. Sleeve tigers is my
2: best guess. Uh, Nicole, it's time for biggest waste of money of the week. We've got two items, which we now have two items this year. Do you want high-end expensive item that that should be kind of expensive, but not as expensive as it is? Or do you want high-end item that should not near be nearly as expensive as it is? I think I just said the same thing.
0: Let's just go in order it, that you got them pulled up.
2: First is the Sony DMP-Zi-Z1 digital music player, built to power high-end headphones and compatible with nearly every high-res audio format. The Sony DMP-Z1 digital music player is obsessed with performance. The analog rotary volume control (laughs) is plated in both copper and gold to ensure signal purity, maximizing the performance of the dual Asahi DACs. There's an independent power system with five battery cells providing separate power (laughs) to the digital and analog sections and uses uh, users. Typo can switch between battery and AC power with the tap of a button. It supports native DSD <laughs> files. Up. Okay, there's you, there's a bunch of crap on it. I like
0: it. how you went dinosaur arms with there if you're watching on Pizza Planner at TV. That's great.
2: All right. Can you hear the cats and dogs raining outside? It's
0: been raining cats and dogs for three days in a row here.
2: My grass is looking good. All mm, right. My car so, is so, do you so want to guess? Okay, so this is uh, it's a digital music system.
0: Which sounds fake. It has so many letters in it. It
2: sounds like an MP3 player it, if I'm not l- right? Yeah. You're right. I don't even know what it is. It's, I, I don't even know what it is. It's seven thousand eight hundred and eighty-five dollars. But what is it? I don't what know it do? what it is. It's like it's not even headphones. It's there's no speaker.
0: Like is it is it just storage?
2: I don't know. No, it's a it's a digital music player signature series. Take your digital music collection to another level. So yeah, it's storage.
0: It's seven thousand dollars for storage when I could just get like an external hard drive
2: what in the world i'm so confused. how much does it hold
0: does it hold like one billion songs
2: this is a solution of a problem that doesn't exist but, uh, 256 gig internal storage my, have, my iPhone has that.
0: I was going to say, I've got an external hard drive from Amazon that has more than that.
2: That's <sighs> stupid. So, yeah, that's a giant waste yeah, of that's money. A,
0: that's the biggest waste of money.
2: $7,900 for an iPod.
0: I'm buying the van that we talked about last you week are, before. You've been
2: talking about that all week.
0: I love that van.
2: All right, next biggest waste of money of the week. And this one's just an old guy griping thing. <laughs> yes. And we may have even talked about it on the show before.
0: I don't know.
2: When did coolers get so expensive?
0: Right. What? Right. These are things I really don't understand.
2: OK, so when I was a kid, we had a Coleman cooler. Yeah, same. And it was one of those things that you like had to press the button on the yes. side and then pinch your finger yes. as you retracted the retractable top. And then you put stuff in it. And then you closed it. Yeah. And then like a few hours later, you reach in and you grab a, a juice barrel. Right. And you pull the foil back, yep. and it was cold enough. It was great. It did what it was supposed to, kinda. Now, cool, every cooler anyone
0: has or it's sells like you. $5,000 and like is battery powered, and you could yeah. charge five iPhones with it or something.
2: I feel like the, the marketplace has gotten to a place where they assume the consumer wants to transport harvested organs.
0: I mean, which is In the fair- cooler but I don't always need that option.
2: We were in uh, Hilton Head a few weeks ago, and uh, oh, we were gonna go out and, and hook some fish in the face, like in the ocean, like we're gonna catch dinner, like I'm a man, I, we've talked about it. Yeah,
0: it was great. And I
2: was like, oh, we didn't have a cooler down there, and so I was like, well, le- let's do this. We don't actually have a, 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 a big cooler. I was like, well, let's go look at a cooler cost, or if not, we'll just buy a styrofoam cooler. So I go, oh, let's look at this cooler. Three hundred dollars for just a <gasps> cooler, and I'm what? like, Styrofoam cooler, three ninety nine. Yep. There you go. Okay, so I'm Bye. looking at a Yeti yep. Tundra two hundred and
0: ten. Uh, they're kind of. I like the teal ones, but I don't understand I don't the hype.
2: The outside shape of this thing. Okay, everyone, put your hands out. Yep. Uh, it's twenty five by twenty four by thirty nine. So I assume thirty nine is the length. So that's just over three feet. Mm hmm. Twenty five by twenty four. That's the height and depth. Dude.
0: So I could crawl in there and get comfy.
2: We could store you in there. We
0: could store me in there.
2: $799.
0: Oh my gosh.
2: The refrigerator, Sarah, Mrs. Planner, as I should call her. Sorry, Sarah.
0: Hi, Mrs. Planner.
2: Uh, The uh, refrigerator we bought at our first home in Fishers in the year 2000 Mm -hmm. was $699, and you could plug it in.
0: You, yeah, you can't plug this in. Well, I don't know, maybe you can.
2: And you could, st- like, I don't get it. And I know I know this is old man gripey, but like- No,
0: I, I don't get it either.
2: Why are we overvaluing cold storage now?
0: I don't need to be able to have ice last for three weeks in my cooler. No music festival lasts that long, Pete.
2: What was the breakthrough in technology that led to this point?
0: Yeah, when did we get here?
2: Is there Kevlar involved? <laughs> Like I don't get it, I, and I'm look. I'm not even joking at this point. Like it bothers me, because it's like, well, there's Yeti, and then there's there's now Coleman, who used to be like the old school cooler company. Now they've got a version called like the Glacial Frost. I don't know what they're called. You can't buy a cooler for less than a thousand million dollars now.
0: That's a lot of dollars.
2: I don't know. And then here's the here's what drives me even more bonkers. I was
0: hoping we'd get here.
2: Okay, so you got a cooler that keeps your stuff cold. Sick. How does that make you feel? Good? Does it make you feel good enough to walk around in a Yeti hat? Now people are putting stickers on the back of their car that says Yeti, and it's like, what am I to take away from this knowledge? You overpay for cold storage.
0: It's ma- it makes me judge you. I'm already. I'm questioning your financial
2: decisions. If I'm behind you in traffic and you have a Yeti bumper sticker, I don't go. You know that person in front of me. They. Uh, they like cold stuff. I don't. I don't feel any better about you. I'm I, already
0: associating them with other individuals who I know that I ha- that have Yeti coolers that I uh-huh. already think it's ridiculous.
2: I assume that person doesn't recycle. Yep. I assume that. Uh, all sorts of terrible things about her actually
0: yeah i kind of do too well that and then i just assume and then kind of get offended when not every single piece of cold gear that they have is yeti
2: i know at what point is it like well we use the yeti for us and the kids that we uh, just use the, the the original coleman i guess here's the oh, other thing oh yeah
0: did one of our coworkers recently get a new uh yeti mug to put her coffee in
2: I believe so. Can we oh, go mock her?
0: Yeah, we probably could. Get
2: her on the show. Is she available? Who is it? <laughs> don't, don't say it. her name.
0: You know who it is. I,
2: I think I know. I, Not here,
0: our straw queen.
2: Oh, it's our coffee. Oh, so I know who it is. You know who it oh, is. Oh, I can't bring her on the show. She'll no. flip out. Yep. Um, <laughs> here, Here's the thing, everybody, as we begin to wrap up the show for this week. I know they're amazing coolers. I know from a thermal, thermal, thermal uh, perspective. Thermal, thermal. They're amazing, They're, but I don't care. I just feel like that's overpaying for something that really doesn't matter that much. Now, if you're going on a camping trip and you're not gonna have access to other forms of ice for five days, but look, the last time I looked, not everyone I know is going camping, yet everyone I know walks around in a Yeti trucker hat. Yeah. I feel Brand. better. I feel like that vent really helped. Yeah, good, I'm glad. And you know that's possible. Like, I hate when stuff's too cold. If we're gonna get there, I want I my teeth hurt. Got teeth.
0: Yeah, it's a big issue.
2: And you know the handles on these things don't look like they would secure the top. They got like a little ball joint that you you hook down with the rubber gilio. Yes, actually, it's
0: kind of impressive, but it's also really hard to undo the top of the lid. Then, but I've started working out since the last time that I tried one of those, so.
2: I've never tried one. All right, that's it. That's all I got <laughs> for the show. And it, it, but here's the thing. This last rant was so bad, no one's even listening. Uh, I'm, we'll see you next week. And by see you, I mean, just you'll hear us. <gasps> That'll work. Uh, I'm sending you good vibes because good vibes are all that's in in our show's budget. Why? Well, because of no advertisers because of the last segment. Like, we lost the Yeti deal. Yeah. Leaving the Coleman deal at that point. Anyway, that's it. That's Nicole. I'm Pete. Thanks to Damien and Phil. Damien, of course, no relation. Phil. Eh, he's a ginger. I'm Pete the Planner. See ya. This is for information purposes <laughs> only. Cool. not this the Susan Planning the Flights. My Consult a to create. And so
1: I am. my hand. Microphone the Over command and demand. Magnificence in an instance I can make you dance, cry, or love Fly as a dove Release from Everest The fresh is fresh And you can call me E.T. Word to John Tesh Let me bless this harmonic presentation It's amazing, so amazing I'm the reason Uh.